0: You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning, 12th Street. It's so good to be with you. I'm excited to be in the Word with you today. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to continue our series. We're calling Set Free. And if you would turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 17, that's where we'll be this morning. And uh, before we get going too far into this this morning, I want to uh, take a minute and uh, make sure that we talk about what the day is and what that means for us. I know that many of you, even today, have different plans in the midst of this crazy season where we're unable to gather with some and be around others. Uh, Many of us are able to gather with our families, and so I'm so excited that today we can spend time with our mothers or our wives who are mothers or our grandparents. And I just want you to know that the Lord has given you as mothers, and we hear this all the time, so please don't let it just roll over you, but if you are a mother, the Lord has given you that role in order to be the greatest of all disciple-makers for the children in which he has put them in your care. And the same for those of you who are not moms at this point if you have others that are children that are in your lives, God has placed in you a purpose for those children. You have many purposes, but a purpose for your life with those children in order to lead them to love Jesus. And so I just want to pray for moms today and for those who are serving as moms, either as aunts or as grandparents and as as those who help to take care of children in the world. You guys do something that I know I could not do. My wife is absolutely my hero, and I do not know how you do what you do, only by the grace and powerful working of God. So let me begin by praying for you, and then let us look into the word in Romans 8 together. Father, I thank you for what you have done for us in Jesus, that you have made a way for us to love you because you first loved us. And Lord, I I thank you for the moms in this world who have been given much grace and who have been shown much mercy on your part to be able to bring up children who sometimes do not listen and do not do what they should and that make life difficult but Lord it is one of the greatest jobs and purposes that we can have is to serve you in the way in which we are created and so I thank you for the moms who have done that, who have raised us, who are raising our children and the moms who will be Lord I also thank you for those ladies who are not moms at this point, but who you are using in mighty ways to serve our community and to serve children in various ways. I pray that you would give them all grace, that you would show them today about their need to lean into Jesus in the midst of the times, especially when it's hard, and that all of us would be able to give you glory and honor and prestige because you alone deserve the glory. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me uh, ask you, if you would, to... Make sure your Bibles are open in Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. Uh, I want to ask us as we move into this time, and I know this is especially true for a lot of folks uh, who serve tirelessly and sacrificially like mothers, that we often can uh, do a lot of things and be expended in so many ways. And my question to you today is, in your life, in a regular way, is the Holy Spirit bearing witness with you? is the Holy Spirit bearing witness with you. That sounds like a lot of high-level church language. Let me break this down. We'll look at Romans chapter 8, verse 12 to 17 to hear this. If you remember last week, we went through verse 13. And so we are going to go back a little bit and get context here for what we're talking about. So verses 12 and 13 are from last week. We covered a lot of that. We're just going to cover that for context. And we'll jump into verse 14 through 17. And the question, I guess, in a different way I could frame it is, if you are really... In Christ, if you have been born again, if you are a believer, you will have the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your soul. He will give you clarity that you are his. And it won't just happen one time at the point of conversion. It will be ongoing in your life. And so like we talked about last week, many of us are just slammed with doubts at different points in our life. And if you have struggled with doubts, if you're unsure of your salvation, today I want to show you some of the ways in which you can know, you can have assurance if you really are in Christ, if you are His. Let's look, Romans 8, chapter 12, sorry, chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Lord, I ask for your grace and mercy upon us this morning that you would speak to us Speak into our hearts that you would change us according to the power of your Holy Spirit that we'd be shaped more into that image of Christ, into the true us we were created to be. And I pray that you do that because we cannot and you alone hold the power to do that. So Lord, we ask for your mercy and grace in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Look back with me in verse 14. Read 12 up to 14. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. And so you think right here he's going to say then that we are debtors then to the Spirit, but he doesn't say that. He gives a reason for why we are not debtors to the flesh. Verse 13, for, that word means because, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And that again, look at that right there, last phrase. If by the Spirit, it means by the power of God and the working of God in you, if you are in Christ, if you then put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Put to death the sin that is within you. If you fight and wage war against the sin in you, you will live. So living according to the flesh is death. Living according to the Spirit, fighting the deeds of the body that are sins, that is life. The Holy Spirit is life in you in that way. He divides up everyone in the world into two categories. The first category is those who live according to the flesh, those that are not in Christ. You cannot live in the flesh and be in Christ. So many people have talked about carnal Christianity or that you got saved, but now you're just kind of living wayward. What the Bible says is that if you're living according to the flesh and not according to the Spirit, you are not His. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14. For, this is the reasoning again, a further reasoning, going deeper down into this rabbit hole of salvation and how it works. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So the question then to us is, are you led by the Spirit of God? I have three questions for you today. That's the first. Are you led by the Spirit of God? So what does this even mean? Look back to verse 12 and 13. You always look in context. Because you could just look at this and say, well, am I led to pick the right spouse? Am I led to pick the right college? Am I led to pick the right place to go eat today? And that could be part of what he's talking about. But in the context, what he for sure is talking about is found in verse 12 and 13. Are you led by the Spirit of God? He says in verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So led to do what? Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, if you are led to wage war against your sin, then you are that person we're talking about in verse three. 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you, in other words, are waging war against your sin, if you are fighting against your sin, if you are hating the sin that lives in you, and you're fighting against that by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you are sons of God because you're being led by the Spirit. And that is proof, it is evidence of that. Now, there are other ways you can be led, right? So, let me just name a couple of these. I think he's talking about in such a way that you are not being led primarily to trust in your intellect although that is very useful you should not discard that but you are to ultimately trust in your heavenly father sometimes he tells us to do things that the world around us says is not the best option sometimes he leads us to step in our lives in a certain direction that others would say why would you ever give up this to go here why would you ever not take that job but if we're being led by the Holy Spirit We're trusting in our Heavenly Father, even above our own intellect and reasoning. Or maybe some of us are led more by the wisdom of the world, and here he's saying you need to be led primarily by the wisdom of God, by the Holy Spirit that lives within you. So the question you might ask yourself even still is, do you even then maybe depend more on the advice of your friends who do not look like Jesus, or do you lean on those who love you too much to not lead you to Jesus? those who are led by the Holy Spirit as well, because the Holy Spirit works in us as the priesthood, plurality of believers. And so you should have people speaking into your life, you should be studying the Word to know God, to know how He speaks to you, how He moves in you and through you, and how He speaks to you from others and also through His Word. And that also you need to be doing that so that when He does lead you, and He does speak the quiet whispers to your heart, you're able to hear that and then act and work and move along with Him. So the question, are you led by the Spirit of God? And ultimately, are you led by the Spirit of God to Jesus? Look, so many of us hear about Jesus, and we eventually come to this place where we have prayed a prayer, and we've been baptized, and we're a part of a church, and we do all the church things. But if you are not led back to Jesus as your hope, on a regular basis. If you're not led back to Jesus for a relational continuation, if you're not still moving, and growing towards Jesus, then you are not being led by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus. We'll see this as we pick up and carry on, but look at John fifteen twenty six. But when the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you, Jesus says, from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father... He will bear witness about me, Jesus says. He will bear witness about me. So are you being led by the Spirit to Jesus? Because he always points to Jesus. So if you're walking through your day, if you're walking through your life, if you're making decisions, if you're doing things in your life and you're not being led back to Jesus regularly, you're either sick in your relationship with God and you're a very unhealthy person who says they're a believer in Christ, Or you may not be the believer at all. So is the Holy Spirit witnessing to your soul right now that you are His? And if so, is He witnessing to you that you need to repent of something and turn back to Jesus? If so, let us abide in Him. For that's where true joy is. Verse 14 and 15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Again, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Let's just break that down. Look, if you are in Christ, if you are sons and daughters of the king, then you did not receive a spirit of fear, but you receive a spirit of adoption. And that you did not receive a spirit that leads you into fear. You're enslaved to that, a spirit of slavery. You are brought into the family of God. And now you have a heavenly Father with whom and to whom you can cry out, Abba, this is the, the word many of you know is the word Abba, means daddy. It's this idea of a small child reaching up to the Father. Abba, Father you cry out to him. So you're not enslaved to fear. You're not enslaved to live in the ways in which you once did when you had no hope. But now you have hope in God because he's provided a way for you in Jesus. Listen, the question I have for you here, the second question is, how do you respond to fear? How do you respond to fear? Our initial responses to fear are almost always dysfunctional responses. Hear me right, unless you are really walking with the Lord, unless you are living in an ongoing, just relational, good place with God, our initial response to fear is almost always a dysfunctional response. You may not like that word. Nobody likes to be told they're being dysfunctional. I put myself in the category, and I need to help us understand where that comes from. Our dysfunctional responses to fear develop in us by the time we reach our mid-20s. They develop basically from five kind of categories I'll give to you today. They come from the fall. This dysfunctional response to fear comes from the fact that all of us are sinners. All of us have been infected with sin, and there's no way we can avoid sin and its proclivities and its temptations in order to bring us to a whole, completely well-placed. Sin is at our very core. It's in our nature. The only way that's going to be overcome is by God who created us fixing the problem at the core of who we are. And so while he's provided freedom for that in Christ, we are still seeing the responses and the impact of that on us. That's what we see earlier on in the scripture we looked at yesterday, or last Sunday. We see that he talks about that our bodies are still in, in, in fully in the swing of sin, impacting us. The fall is where this all comes from. And then our family of origin has something to do with it. What the family is that we grew up in, how our parents responded to fear, how our parents treated us, how those around us, our brothers and sisters, responded to us and treated us and spoke to us and led us. This influences our response to fear. Then life circumstances, the things that you cannot control, the things that happen to you, whether good or bad, then influence you and develop what you might call the false self that you create That is your sinful self living in the flesh to help protect the inner you that happens through all the life circumstances, as well as your family of origin, and because of the sinful world we live in, because of the fall of man into sin. And also, physical factors things that, that you cannot change about yourself, things you go through, sickness or disease or just the way in which you, you physically mature. And then also personal choices, your own choices that drive you down a certain path and then influence you to respond to fear in certain ways. Now, some of you, here right, hear me right. Some of you say you don't respond to fear in negative. Some of you don't think you're very afraid type of people. But I just want to push back on you a little bit and say it like this. I think that we enslave ourselves to fear with these dysfunctional responses in a way that we don't even recognize we're doing it. I'm going to lay out some of these things, right? Hear me right, though. First of all, if you are in Christ, if you are a son or daughter of the King, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, and so therefore you don't have to respond to these things in this dysfunctional way anymore. But here are some of the ways in which we do that. Sometimes, some of us, respond to fear with avoidance or by becoming frozen. We see things that bring fear to us and we avoid them like the plague. Right? We run from them or we freeze up and can't do anything. And the thing we need to remember is that in the face of what would have frightened us the most, the full wrath of God coming at us on the cross, if we were to die the death that Jesus died in our place, we see that Jesus lived in the fullness of faith and so we can put our faith in Jesus. Don't be frozen. Don't avoid it. Have faith. Take action by trusting in Jesus and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. There's that crying out to the Abba Father. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm frozen right now, or I want to run from this like nobody's business. Another one would be a false image or deceit that we create this false image that other people see. Some might call it a false machismo, right? A a false bravado that we put out that we are different, that we don't get afraid of things. We're not going to fear anything. And we deceive even ourselves, or we at least try to deceive others, when really we need to believe in the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through Him. Believe in Him for He is the truth. So we don't have to put on a false bravado, a false self-image. We can put out there that we are found in Christ and we are His and we can trust in Him because He has overcome death, disease, Satan, sin, hell, all on, in our place on the cross. And therefore we have victory in Him. Another one would be this. Some of us don't really think this is fear-driven, but I believe it is, and I think I have good merit for that. I won't go into the depths now, but here's one way we respond to fear. We respond to fear with control or with anger or self-reliance. Those are all three interrelated. Control or anger or self-reliance. Many of us, when we face fear, jump in and try to control the situation to put the fear out. We try to control everything going on, and so we take over and we get angry if people step outside of that control factor or if things get out of our control. It makes us angry and we become so self-reliant that we're not relying on Jesus. And when we rely on Jesus, we find true acceptance even when we're not in control. Because the truth of the matter is none of us are in control. So that is a false way to live. It is a dysfunctional response to fear. God alone is in control. What about false images, images of Christ we talked about? How about this one? Hubris hubris or pride or self-esteem. We will think, look, nobody can mess with me. I'm not going to let any fear jump into my life. I really am going to overcome anything that steps in my way. And that's fine until you get hit with something like cancer or maybe COVID-19. Or you get hit with something like the death of a loved one that you can't control and you can't overcome something that wipes you out. Or your wife leaves you. Or your child passes away. Or something happens to you in such a way that you cannot stand up to it. And your anger and and all that stuff rises up in your response to fear through your arrogance. And that arrogance that we put out for others, we then recognize that we really aren't in control. We do not have anything to be prideful about because we can be broken. But the beautiful thing is that Christ was broken for us. So we don't have to rely on self and have self-esteem and find self-worth because we find Christ's esteem and Christ is worthy. He is worth more than all things and he's overcome all things for us so we can be adopted into the family of God so that now we can cry out to our father who loves us and is kind to us and wants to show us grace and mercy. We can cry out to him and he will bring us grace and peace in Jesus by His Spirit, we do not have to walk in that false humility or in the pride. I could talk about greed and anxiety, how Jesus is our victor and how greed brings us all these things we put our trust in, but really all those things fall away and they always fail us and never satisfy, but only the generous one who gave his life on the cross. We could talk about the perfectionist who thinks if I get everything perfect, everything will be okay. Instead, we need Jesus who truly is the perfect one because we can never be perfect and trying to be perfect to overcome always leads to our being wiped out and recognizing our failures and hating ourselves or thinking we did do it perfect, which we did not. And then we have this false sense of pride that leads back to what we've already talked about. We need to recognize we need the perfect Savior, and we can't be that, but only Jesus can be that for us, and he has already on the cross at Calvary in our place. Listen, you need to hear the gospel this morning. You need to hear the fact that you need Jesus. When the world is coming down around you, when you feel as though no one else hears you when you feel as though your failures are going to finally be found out and nobody will want anything to do with you or when you feel like no one notices your hard work because as soon as you accomplish it it's wiped out by somebody else's better work or by someone coming along behind you and just totally destroying it when you wake up feeling alone or go to bed feeling forgotten know this if you are in christ you are not alone And if you're not in Christ right now, you never have to be alone. Today you can have the Lord, your God, who created you to be with Him forever, to enjoy His presence forever, to be with Him forever. You can have Him. And if you're in Christ already, the Father is with you. And He sees you. And He loves you. And He accepts you. This is good news. This is good news. He loves you and finds good. Great joy in you. Not because of what you do for him, but just because he has chosen to love you based out of his love for you despite anything else you would bring to the table. So how can we know this? You can know this because our heavenly Father has adopted you into his family through the person and work of his son Jesus who gave up his life for you. Romans 8, 1-4 reminds us of this. Look back there. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter what failures you've seen, no matter how you feel about self, no matter how you have not lived up to the bar, no matter how frozen you were, how anxious you are, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free So believe in that, brothers and sisters. As you believe in Jesus, trust that you are set free from those things. You are set free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law says do this, do that, do this, do that, and God will be pleased with you. Now you could not do that. So Jesus came and did everything perfect so that when he went to the cross, he died in your place having done everything righteously so that now he becomes your righteousness in his death when you are brought to life and believe on him. So therefore, everything that needs to be done has been accomplished and God loves you exactly where you are. He loves you exactly for who you are and he loves you so much he's not even going to leave you there. He's going to continue to make you more and more into the perfect you he created you to be which is the image of Christ. So did you notice by the way that everything in this chapter is about what God has done or is doing or will do for you? It's not about what we do. Just look at this passage alone in verse 12 through 17. And then homework assignment is go home and read the whole chapter and see what you do or what's done for you by God. I'm just going to look at verse 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors. In other words, we owe. Not doing anything. We owe. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not Receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You're receiving the spirit of slavery. No, you didn't receive the spirit of slavery, but you have received, I mean, it's been given to you, the spirit's You've received the spirit of adoption. You've been adopted. You didn't choose that. God chose that for you. He loved you before the foundation of the world we see in Ephesians 1. That God chose to love you and adopt you as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's what we do. We cry out, Help, Father. I need you, Father. I have nothing to bring, Father. You are everything. You have everything. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. He bearing witness with us that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. We've done nothing for it, but we inherit everything with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. That's happening to us, that we are glorified with Him. Suffering comes upon us. Not that we do it on purpose, right? Everything in this chapter is about what God has done for you. Let me say it like this, and this is a great thing to key on today. God's sovereignty supersedes anything the world can throw at you. God's sovereignty supersedes everything and anything the world can throw at you. So do not give in to fear. Give your heart to Jesus. Do not give in to fear, but give yourself over to Jesus because he gave himself over for you on the cross and brought you home into the adopted family of God, as sons and daughters. So do not give in to fear. Look at verse 16 and 17 as we close out. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided, listen, provided if, if, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we are children with God. The Spirit bears witness with, to that in us if we are His and we are heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Jesus. That's a crazy statement. And many people try to, to put this into the context only talking about persecution, but I don't believe that's the case because the immediate context defines this for us. So in fact, look at this. Suffering. Verse 13 again, which seems to be the kind of crux of where everything's coming from in this passage out of the the bowels of this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. Listen, you will be suffering when you wage war against sin and your sinfulness and the temptations that come at you. It will not feel good all the time. They promise all this satisfaction, all this joy, but they never fulfill, and you know that. So when you wage war against it, it will be a war of suffering at times. I think also when we go a little further than that, waging war against our sin is difficult. We know we're going to suffer in that moment. But listen to this. I also think that provided we suffer with Jesus includes every suffering moment of this life. If we suffer with him. Romans 8, 18. If you just go back into the next verse, we're about to hit next week. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time the sufferings of this present time, everything in this life, all the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Look, that encompasses everything. Just in case you think it doesn't, Romans 8, 22 through 23. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we await Eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So everything that goes on until we go home to be with God, everything that goes on that's suffering, that we groan inwardly and all the suffering, I believe that's all included in this statement, as long as it's suffering with Jesus. Look, first second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen and seventeen. So we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. There's the suffering again. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction. That means it's light now in the context of eternity, although it feels all-encompassing now. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So we do not lose heart, brothers and sisters. If we are in Christ, we will suffer. I think all of this is included in that statement when he says, provided we suffer with Him. Because when we are suffering... With Christ, that's what God uses to refine us and change us into the person we're created to be. He shapes us, changes us, works on us to bring us greater joy, greater fulfillment, to fulfill all the purposes we're created for. So that suffering that comes, if we suffer with Jesus. Look, you can suffer in so many ways in this life, but when you suffer and rely on Him, that's when you find that peace that surpasses understanding creeps into your soul, as God presses it in there by the power of His Holy Spirit. And He carries you through those times. So you can suffer without Him, and you can suffer with Him. But He's saying here that the Spirit Himself bears witness without our spirit, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, meaning we, we have everything. Everything is ours. Everything is given to us in Christ. The whole world is ours. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All things will be ours if we are in Christ, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him. Brothers and sisters, are you suffering with Jesus? And are you acting in that like you are not enslaved to fear, that you're not in the spirit of slavery but in the spirit of adoption, crying out, Father, I need you now. Every time you walk down the hall and realize you can't go one more step, every time you see things taken away from you and you see your day wiped away and you feel unnoticed and you feel alone and like nobody gets anything, do you then recognize that your hope alone is in Jesus and do you suffer with him through that? Because in that he brings hope. Because Jesus understands suffering. He suffered the full weight and wrath of God for all eternity on his shoulders for those who would be found in him. And on the cross, he died under the weight of that so that you and I could become heirs according to the promise, that we could be adopted into the family of God and have a father who is always kind and loving and gracious and will not leave you where you are, but will come and will take you to be with him forever. Even though this light and momentary affliction seems overwhelming and this fear seems immense, in Christ we have hope that is greater because his sovereignty supersedes all Things this world can throw at us. So is the spirit of God. Speaking in your spirit today. And confirming that you are his. Because if not today is the day of your salvation. Put your hope and faith in Jesus. And if you are his already. Today is a day of repentance. Again every day. All of life Martin Luther says is repentance. Everything we do is about turning away from walking not with God and to turn more into that relationship with him. We need Jesus just as much today as the first day we met him. Will you turn back to him today and let his spirit confirm with you? Will you let his spirit bear witness with you this morning? I pray it be so. Let me pray for us now. Father, I ask and I beg, Father, that you would work in our hearts to change us and shape us into the people you created us to be, into the image of Christ. Lord, I ask that you would work in us to shape us and change us and to make us yours, more and more. Lord, show us all the things that we run to, all the things that we put our hope in, self, or that we avoid, or that we we, we deceive ourselves over, and help us not to live in those things, but to live in the gospel, to preach the gospel to ourselves every morning, every night, all throughout the day, to remind ourselves to look to Jesus as our Savior, and not as we are our saviors. Lord, we need you today, to work in us and change us and shape us and help us to see Jesus as our hero, as our Savior, as our Redeemer, as our King and as our brother who came to save us, to bring us home. And where we eagerly await. Lord, come. Come when you are ready. Come, Lord. And until then, let us find our hope in Jesus and help us, Lord, because we believe. Help our unbelief. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.